Hello, and welcome to episode 28 of the Dose of Joy podcast. I'm your host, Joy Huber. Thanks for being here and listening and for sharing this podcast with those you know who are facing cancer. Everyone knows someone, it seems, facing cancer these days. You'll recall in recent episodes, I've been asking for your non-medical questions. I gave an example last week of one, and here's another. Recently corresponding with a friend, I found out his cousin's wife was diagnosed at the young age of 30 with two young kids. Learning the specifics of this situation, I was immediately able to make sure she knows of resources like lotsahelpinghands.com, and that's lotsa, L-O-T-S-A, helping hands, H-E-L-P-I-N-G-H-A-N-D-S, Dot com, where you can create a community and easily organize help for someone in need by scheduling things like meal delivery and rides to appointments. I also told my friend about cleaningforareason.org, which provides free home cleaning to patients battling cancer. I thought a mom of two could definitely use that. Remember, you can email the show at doseofjoypodcast at hotmail.com with your non-medical cancer questions. Tell me about your situation and find out what resources I know of that can help you. For the rest of today's episode, I want to talk about esophageal cancer, since April is the awareness month for esophageal cancer. Let's start off by learning more about the esophagus. The esophagus is a 10-inch long, hollow, muscular tube that connects the throat to the stomach. It is part of a person's gastrointestinal or GI tract, also called the digestive system. When a person swallows, the walls of the esophagus squeeze together to push food down into the stomach. Now let's learn about esophageal cancer. Esophageal cancer, also called esophagus cancer, begins in the cells that line the esophagus. Specifically, 
cancer of the esophagus begins in the inner layer of the esophageal wall and grows outward. If it spreads through the esophageal wall, it can travel to lymph nodes, which are small bean-shaped organs that help fight infection, as well as the blood vessels in the chest and other nearby organs. Esophageal cancer can also spread to the lungs, liver, stomach, and other parts of the body. As for types of esophageal cancer, there are two main types, squamous cell carcinoma. This type of esophageal cancer starts in the squamous cells that line the esophagus. It usually develops in the upper and middle part of the esophagus. An adenocarcinoma, this type begins in the glandular tissue in the lower part of the esophagus, where the esophagus and the stomach come together. Treatment is similar for both of these types of esophageal cancer. This year, an estimated 20,640 adults, 16,510 men, and 4,130 women in the United States will be diagnosed with esophageal cancer. Worldwide, an estimated 604,100 people were diagnosed with esophageal cancer in 2020. In the United States, the disease is most common in white people who are more likely to be diagnosed with adenocarcinoma. Black people are more likely to be diagnosed with squamous cell carcinoma. Esophageal cancer accounts for 1% of cancers diagnosed in the United States. Over the past 10 years, incidence rates have been dropping slightly. The disease is more common in other parts of the world. That's according to Cancer.net, and I'll share that statistics page on the Dose of Joy podcast Facebook page this week. What are the risk factors for esophageal cancer? A risk factor is anything that increases a person's chance of developing cancer, although risk factors often influence the development of cancer, most do not directly cause cancer. Some people with several risk factors never develop cancer, while others with no known risk factors do. Knowing your risk factors and talking about them with your doctor may help you make more informed lifestyle and healthcare choices. Here's some of the factors that may raise a person's risk of developing esophageal cancer. Age. People between the ages of 45 and 70 have the highest risk of esophageal cancer. 
Gender. Men are three to four times more likely than women to develop esophageal cancer. Race. Black people are twice as likely as white people to develop the squamous cell type of esophageal cancer. Tobacco. Using any form of tobacco, such as cigarettes, cigars, pipes, chewing tobacco, and snuff raises the risk of esophageal cancer, especially squamous cell carcinoma. Alcohol. Heavy drinking over a long period of time increases the risk of squamous cell carcinoma of the esophagus, especially when combined with tobacco use. Diet and nutrition. A diet that is low in fruits and vegetables and certain vitamins and minerals can increase a person's risk of developing esophageal cancer. And obesity. Being very overweight and having too much body fat can increase a person's risk of developing esophageal adenocarcinoma. As for screening, regular screening tests to find esophageal cancer in people without symptoms are not used in the United States, so it's really important to be aware of the symptoms and signs so you can talk with your doctor and get checked. People with esophageal cancer may experience the following symptoms or signs. A symptom is something that only the person experiencing it can identify and describe, such as fatigue, nausea, or pain. A sign is something that other people can identify and measure, such as a fever rash, or an elevated pulse. Together, signs and symptoms can help describe a medical problem. Sometimes people with esophageal cancer do not have any of these signs and symptoms I'm covering next. Or the cause of a symptom or sign may be a medical condition that is not cancer. Difficulty and pain with swallowing, particularly when eating meat, bread, or raw vegetables. As the tumor grows, it can block the pathway to the stomach. Even liquid may be painful to swallow. Pressure or burning in the chest. Indigestion or heartburn. Vomiting. Frequent choking on food, unexplained weight loss, coughing or hoarseness, or pain behind the breastbone or in the throat. If you are concerned about any changes you experience, please talk with your healthcare team. Your doctor will ask how long and how often you've been experiencing the symptoms, in addition to other questions. This is to help figure out the cause of the problem, called the diagnosis. 
In addition to a physical examination, here's helpful information from Cancer.net as of this recording regarding tests that may be used to diagnose esophageal cancer. Barium swallow. Here, the patient swallows a liquid containing barium, and then a series of x-rays are taken. An x-ray is a way to take a picture of the inside of the body. Barium coats the surface of the esophagus, making a tumor or other unusual changes easier to see on the x-ray. If there is an area that looks abnormal, your doctor may recommend an upper endoscopy and biopsy to find out if it is cancerous. Upper endoscopy, which allows the doctor to see the lining of the esophagus. Here, a thin, flexible tube with a light and video camera on the end, called an endoscope, is passed down the throat and into the esophagus while the patient is sedated. Sedation is giving medication to become more relaxed, calm, or sleepy. If there is an abnormal-looking area, a biopsy will be performed to find out if it is cancerous. An endoscopy using an inflatable balloon to stretch the esophagus can also help widen the blocked area so that food can pass through until treatment begins. Endoscopic ultrasound This procedure is often done at the same time as the upper endoscopy. During an ultrasound, sound waves provide a picture of the wall of the esophagus and nearby lymph nodes and structures. During an endoscopic ultrasound, an endoscopic probe with an attached ultrasound that produces the sound waves is inserted into the esophagus through the mouth. The ultrasound is used to find out if the tumor has grown into the wall of the esophagus, how deep the tumor has grown, and whether cancer has spread to the lymph nodes or other nearby structures. An ultrasound can also be used to help get a tissue sample from the lymph nodes. Bronchoscopy Similar to an upper endoscopy, the doctor passes a thin, flexible tube with a light on the end into the mouth or nose, down through the windpipe, and into the breathing passages of the lungs. A bronchoscopy may be performed if a tumor is located in the upper two-thirds of the esophagus to find out if the tumor is growing into the airway. This part of the airway includes the trachea, or windpipe, and the area where the windpipe branches out into the lungs called the bronchial tree. Biopsy Other tests can suggest that cancer is present, but only a biopsy can make a definite diagnosis. A biopsy is the removal of a small amount of tissue from the suspicious area for examination. 
A pathologist then analyzes the sample or samples. A pathologist is a doctor who specializes in interpreting laboratory tests and evaluating cells, tissues, and organs to diagnose disease. And biomarker testing of the tumor. Your doctor may recommend running laboratory tests on a tumor sample to identify specific genes, proteins, and other factors unique to the tumor. This may also be called molecular testing of the tumor. Results of these tests can help determine your treatment options. Up next, I'll share the types of treatments that are the standard of care for esophageal cancer. Standard of care means the best treatments known as of this recording, of course. For a tumor that has not spread beyond the esophagus and lymph nodes, doctors often recommend combining different types of treatment, radiation therapy, chemotherapy, and surgery. Sometimes chemotherapy and radiation therapy are combined in an approach called chemoradiotherapy. The order of treatments varies, and several factors are considered, including the type of esophageal cancer. For locally advanced esophageal cancer, ASCO, A-S-C-O, that's the American Society of Clinical Oncology, recommends a treatment plan that combines different types of treatments. For squamous cell cancer, chemoradiotherapy is commonly recommended as the first treatment. Surgery may be used afterwards, depending on how well chemoradiotherapy worked. Recent studies show using chemoradiotherapy before surgery is better than surgery alone. ASCO recommends chemoradiotherapy before surgery for all people with locally advanced esophageal squamous cell cancer. In some patients, this treatment may send the cancer into remission, and surgery may not be needed immediately. In those who receive chemoradiotherapy and surgery, immunotherapy may be recommended if tumor cells are still found in the tissue removed during surgery. Some people may not be able to receive radiation therapy. These patients can receive chemotherapy alone before surgery. For adenocarcinoma, the most common treatment in the United States is chemoradiotherapy followed by surgery. Surgery is almost always recommended after chemoradiotherapy unless there are factors that increase the risks from surgery, such as a patient's overall health. For locally advanced esophageal adenocarcinoma, ASCO recommends chemoradiotherapy before surgery or chemotherapy before and after surgery. 
after chemo, radiotherapy, and surgery, if tumor cells are found in the tissue removed during surgery, immunotherapy may be recommended. For some people, surgery is not an option. In that case, chemoradiotherapy alone is the recommended treatment. When chemotherapy and radiation therapy are combined, there can be more severe side effects. But this treatment combination can be more effective in certain situations. It's important to discuss with your doctor which treatment options are best for you. And I'll post on the podcast Facebook page this week a whole list of questions to consider asking, which will give you some great ideas so you're not drawing a blank during your precious appointment time with your doctor. Here's some questions from that list for you. What treatment plan do you recommend and why? What is my prognosis? What is the goal of each treatment? Is it to eliminate the cancer, help me feel better, or both? What are the possible side effects of each treatment, both in the short term and the long term? How will this treatment affect my daily life? Will I be able to work, exercise, and perform my usual activities? If I'm worried about managing the cost of cancer care, who can help me? What support services are available to me? Finally, looking for esophageal cancer specific support to point you to, I had a wonderful conversation with the president of the Esophageal Cancer Education Foundation when I dialed their hotline before giving out the number here to be sure it was working as of this recording. Their website is fightec.org. That's F-I-G-H-T-E-C dot or period O-R-G. Their hotline was established for esophageal cancer patients and caregivers to assist them with quality-of-life questions. Now, this is not an emergency number, and there will not be an operator on call at all times. The hotline is also not to be used for medical questions, as those should only be addressed by your doctor. Any responses received from this call should first be checked with your doctor before implementing the suggestion. Their number is 732-385-7461. Again, that number is 732 732- Three eight five seven four six one. 
They also have free monthly support group, Zoom meetings for esophageal cancer patients and caregivers. And you can find that at their website of FightEC, as in esophageocancer.org, under the Services tab. I'll post the specific link on the Dose of Joy podcast Facebook page this week to guide you directly to this as well, saving you time searching for it. With that, I wrap up another episode of Dose of Joy. Remember, you can email the show at doseofjoypodcast at hotmail.com. That's D-O-S-E-O-F-J-O-Y-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, then the at symbol, hotmail, H-O-T-M-A-I-L dot com, C-O-M. I encourage you to email if you have a non-medical question about facing cancer, like the example I gave at the start of the show. While I may not be able to respond to all due to the volume of questions received, I may be able to answer your question in the next show. Also like the Dose of Joy podcast Facebook page to plug into the regular post where specific links to resources highlighted in the show are shared. Until next time, I leave you with my heartfelt wish for a joy-filled life. I'm gonna laugh and I'm gonna cry. Wait.